1: It's President Trump's second setback in court on major immigration policy initiatives. Yesterday, a federal court in San Francisco blocked a Trump order to withhold funding to sanctuary cities. Judge William Orrick agreed with San Francisco and Santa Clara County that the president's January order violated the Constitution's Fifth and Tenth Amendments, and that Trump was attempting to wield powers exclusive to Congress. San Francisco City Attorney Dennis Herrera said Trump was selling fear.
2: The president sought to bully local governments with an unconstitutional executive order, threatening all of their funding. He sought to coerce local governments into holding people in jail beyond their release date.
1: Trump responded to the order as he has before by criticizing the judge. This morning he tweeted, First, the Ninth Circuit rules against the ban, and now it hits again on Sanctuary cities. both ridiculous rulings. See you in the Supreme Court. Joining us are Dan Stein, president of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and Joseph Hohenstein of counsel at Landau, Hess, Simon & Choi. Joe, explain the basis of Judge O'Rourke's ruling.
3: Essentially, what the judge was doing with uh, the order was to agree with the final position of the government that it only changed when it came to uh, make an oral argument in in his court, and that was that there is a very limited number of funds that are directly connected to federal immigration um, enforcement, and those are the funds that the federal government can tell states or municipalities well we're controlling these if you have particular immigration policies all of the rest and the and the implication from the and the implication in plain language actually of the original executive order was so broad that it effectively threatened federal funding throughout um a you know, a local government's budget. And um that's what the judge struck down. He said you can't you can't connect an immigration policy to you know, how many uh, police officers the federal government is gonna you know help to fund or or law enforcement funding or housing funding or education funding. And that's really what the executive order was designed to do was to place all federal funding for local municipalities at risk. And the judge said, you simply can't do that. Now, the federal government, the attorney at the oral argument for this, essentially backed away from that very, very broad reading, which was what was said throughout the entire um, uh, publication process around this, this executive order. Uh, and the federal attorney Said directly, yes, this more limited version is is the is the version that we need to you know up, 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 uphold. And in effect, the final ruling of the judge was to say, yeah, you know, the most you can do is this limited ruling.
2: Well, Dan, the um, you know conservatives were very happy with uh, the decision in one of the Obamacare cases about the Medicaid expansion that said that basically the. You know the federal government can't put a gun to the head over funding. You know, uh, to the states and put limits on how coercive the federal government could be about um, conditions on federal funding. And it feels a bit like the you know that argument has come back to haunt the Trump administration in this case. It's kind of ironic, isn't it, that the judges relying on that argument to uh, to prevent the Trump administration from enforcing this order. <laughs>
4: Well, of course, it's very frustrating to see the quickness with which these judges are willing to issue these nationwide injunctions on the strength of rhetoric or broad-based language, which DOJ attorneys assert in court is not the proper interpretation of the executive order. And in this case, of course, there really isn't even a case or controversy because DOJ hasn't actually tried to specifically enforce, certainly not the executive order in the way that the Santa Clara and the other counties were asserting it was going to be. but. You know, remember, Arizona wanted to try to assist the federal government in its own enforcement, uh, in, in enforcing immigration laws, and that was struck down by federal courts. And now you have the federal government exercising a plenary power not to commandeer state functions, you know, essential sovereign state functions, but simply to assist the federal government in accordance with federal law in turning over information about an alien's status, and in certain cases, detaining aliens, putting them on civil immigration holes until immigration customs enforcement can come and pick them up. And, you know, none of the, you know, to some extent, the judge just kind of got way ahead of himself by saying, okay, I'm going to enjoin something that the Trump administration wasn't even planning to do. And, and it has enormous political implications because of the way the media supported it. The way that DOJ was planning to interpret this was quite narrowly tailored to law enforcement-related functions that are directly related to the process of of holding aliens or verifying status. So you can argue it's a draconian, drastically overbroad injunction, completely unsupported by the record. And once, once again, an example of political, judicial, you know, legislating from the bench.
1: We're talking about a federal judge in San Francisco blocking a Trump order to withhold funding to sanctuary cities yesterday. Also yesterday, a group of mayors and major police officers met with A.G. Jeff Sessions to talk about the very issue of what is a sanctuary city, and they came out with different impressions, although many said the order would be limited to the law on transmitting citizenship information. And. And that law is one which the Obama administration said last July it would require compliance with. We've been speaking with Dan Stein, president of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and Joseph Hohenstein, a counsel at Landau, Hess, Simon and Choi. Dan, if this order is just limited to the order that the cities have already been under obligation to follow, under the Obama administration, what was the point of making the order in the first place?
4: Well, that's a really good question because if DOJ asserts, counsel asserts in court that this is how they're going to enforce it quite narrowly and consistent with jurisdictions that the Obama administration said were not providing information pursuant to federal law, that's 8 U.S.C. 1373, then what's the big noise? I mean, what's the big deal? Why issue a nationwide injunction to stop the Trump administration from doing what it wasn't going to do in the first place? And you can't help but believe that there was a political element where the judge, Judge orrick felt that he could invoke a 10th Amendment constitutional claim, which is really quite ridiculous when you think about it, involving the provision of federal grants when you have defendants who are asserting, look, we're not trying to interfere with essential state functions. We simply want states to assist the federal government in verifying an alien status consistent with federal law, which has always been something that the supremacy clause under federal law has entitled the federal government to do. Now, the the judge did say Congress could go in and change the law. The Congress can certainly condition broader grants than these narrow grants uh, to a state's willingness to assist in enforcing federal law. But the the line on what becomes commandeering and when you're coercing a state to, say, detain aliens or actually go out and find them, you know, it's a pretty bright one, but this case really didn't address that.
2: Joe, you know, the Justice yeah, I would Department... Yeah, disagree on that. Yeah, so the Justice yes. Department did say that there was, you know, that this was a very narrow thing. It didn't really change the law. It was really more of a bully pulpit kind of order. And the mm-hmm. judge found that, that that's not the way he read the order. Can you explain why did the judge read the order more broadly than the Justice Department did?
3: Well, for two reasons. One, the order itself is written that broadly. And there are specific sections of the order that place any federal funds at risk. And second, contrary to the position that was taken after the government was sued and taken into court, before they were taken into court, the attorney general and the president and the president's press secretary were all talking about this is gonna make sure that we turn the financial screws which is effectively commandeering on the local, um, the, the, the local municipalities. And in, in this situation, that concept of a bully pulpit, think about the last president who really used the concept of bully pulpit, you know, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt's philosophy was speak softly and carry a big stick. What this is is speaking loudly but carrying a toothpick. Because what they wanted to do when it was finally challenged, when the bullies were finally challenged in court, what happened was they backed off and they said, "Oh, we didn't really mean it." But that's not what either the order says, and it's not what they were saying before they were challenged. And um, the politicization is not coming from the judge here; it's coming from the administration itself. That issues and sends out orders like this that are written extremely poorly, very overbroadly, and in ways that are designed to stoke concern and worry and fear, it interrupts the planning process for a city like San Francisco that gets 15% of its budget overall for things like housing, things like police, things like its schools. All of that funding was at risk with the way that the order is written and the way that both the uh, the president, his attorney general, and his press secretary were all saying they were going to enforce this.
1: Dan, do you you agree that President Trump made a great deal of the signing of this order and it was televised and he said this is going to help with uh, immigration reform? And if it's the same as what Obama was doing, why make a big deal about it on his part?
4: Well, again, that there you know there are traditionally rules of, of construction as well as rules regarding standing and rightness for when a judge is actually supposed to decide whether a, def- a plaintiff has injury in fact. And at this point, until you actually see how the executive order is going to be enforced, until General Sessions actually seeks to withdraw grant money or condition spending and specifically seeks to enforce it, it's hard to understand why the judge would have even proceeded to try to interpret the executive order. And if you allow the judge to start taking into account, again, we see campaign statements and campaign rhetoric being used by judges to go ahead and try to interpret executive orders, however, imprecisely in, in, you know, in, in they may have been drafted. Well, there's no end to the kind of pernicious political nature of that kind of legal interpretation. Political campaigns are, by definition, uh, raucous, uh, you know, loud, uh, imprecise uh, debates, and they're not. They they shouldn't take the place in a courtroom for precise statutory construction. The rules of statutory construction, as well as Article Three standing, in this case, the, nobody had tried to take any money specifically away from these jurisdictions yet, and so even you know these are preliminary injunctions being issued even before before there's been a full briefing on the merits.
1: I'm going to have to stop you there, Dan. We're going to continue this conversation at some point again. I'm sure that's Dan Stein, president of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and Joseph Hohenstein of Council at Landau Hess, Simon and Choi. Coming up, we are going to be going live to the White House briefing on the tax plan. And we're also going to be talking about... The oversight panel saying that President Donald Trump's former national security adviser Michael Flynn, appeared to violate federal law. I'm June Grosso with Michael Best. This is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state